What was the most messed up way you got back at someone that wronged you? Throwaways encouraged. Obviously, I'm going to use one. Back in high school, I dated a girl for six months before she decided it wasn't working out anymore and she cheated on me with about six guys and stole my iPhone and wallet to buy illicit substances. I wanted to report her to the police like my parents encouraged me to and to prevent me from doing such, her brother jumped me while I was walking home with his friends and busted open my lip pretty badly and threatened to kill me if I reported him or his sister. This is South Florida, so I believed he would do it. My dad got a new job and we moved to a new city, but I was still angry about this whole situation, so I did the next best thing. I created two fake Facebook accounts of a random hot girl and guy, spent some time making it look legit with friends and such, and added her brother on Facebook with the girl and my ex with the guy. It wasn't too long before he started flirting me up and tried his best to get in this girl's undies. On the other hand, having already courted my now ex, I knew exactly what to say to charm her to the point that she was in love with me. This was where it all started to get fun. I started a naughty texting relationship between the brother and sister, with me as the intermediate thanks to Google Voice. Both of them had fairly typical South Florida bodies, so nothing really gave anything away, and I did a fair amount of photoshopping to remove identifiers in the room that may give away anything. This went on for about a month and a half, totaling about 200 or so naked photos between the two of them, when I decided to reveal the curtain and send a group of unedited pictures that included key identifiers, faces, and rooms. Oh lord, how stuff went down. I only wish I had some way to see how they reacted. Friends who still lived there told me her brother moved in with his dad that week and that they no longer spoke. All in all, about four months till I got my revenge, but it was amazing. You gosh darn sons of B-words. Someone told my ex about it and now she finally knows for sure that it was me. (laughs) Sucks for her now that I live 2,000 miles away for college, but peas and Christ read it. Don't go shooting your mouth off. Okay, well, in the spirit of the post heading, this was truly effed up. Listeners, don't be like either of these people. Friend and I were fishing at a local creek when my friend's brother pulled up. Being the eggplant he normally was, he started throwing rocks in the creek to scare the fish, and then he threw my friend's bike in the creek. We were 13 at the time, and my friend was crying, and I felt so bad, I jumped into the creek and got his bike out and told him we would get his brother back. About a month later, we were fishing again, and it was the dead of summer. I told my friend, today is the day we get his brother back. Caught a two to three pound carp, threw it on the side of the bank, and left it there until we were done fishing. At the end of the night, we went back to his place. His brother's car was sitting on the street. We took the carp, sliced it open, threw it under the driver's seat, and rolled his windows three quarters up. The next morning when we woke up and left, I forgot about what we had done. Well, when I rode past JT's car, I noticed the window was kind of black, and then I took a closer look. It was covered in flies. I actually got scared because I did not expect a window to be caked with flies. By the time I got home, I was laughing in tears because his brother was always such an eggplant to us. Fast forward to baseball practice about three days later. Friend had a black eye but smiled at me when we made eye contact. His brother flipped out and ran into his house and punched him in the face. His mum flipped out on his brother. Brother was grounded for the rest of the summer. His mum said that my friend would never do such a thing, and he played along and acted as if he had no idea. Apparently the smell never really left the car. We nicknamed his brother the Lord of the Flies.
A school bully repeatedly knocked a binder from my best friend's hands every single day while we walked down the hall. Now, we were in high school back in pre-Columbine era, so people didn't freak out as often when kids did effed up stuff. I convinced my friend to stick tacks through an entire side of his binder, turning it into an extremely dangerous spiked weapon, and just hold on extra tight while waiting for the bully to come to his thing. The bully lacerated his hand pretty badly. After he slammed his hand down on it, my friend held on and yanked back. Jackass didn't try that crap again. Not me, my brother. When my younger brother was about three, my father had to look after him for the day. The plan was that he, after asking his boss, would take him into work for the day. It was office work and he was friendly with his boss, so my mum assumed it was no big deal. My father, however, didn't want a toddler distracting him all day, so he left him in the car with the radio on and a carton of apple juice. This is Britain, so it wouldn't overheat, but either way he was being a crappy dad. At the end of the day he returned back to his car to drive home, expecting a sleeping toddler who wouldn't tell his mother a thing. Instead, upon his return, he found his son jumping up and down on the front seats to the radio on full blast, naked and laughing, slipping around covered in poop. He had soiled himself, removed his nappy, and rubbed his fecal matter everywhere. Poop was smeared all over the driver's seat, the windscreen, the steering wheel, the sat-nav, the driver's window, even hand-printed on the ceiling. Our dad didn't even know toddlers could produce the vast amount of turd present. The only car seat that was completely untouched was his own. In summary, my three-year-old brother was abandoned in a car for eight hours, later found smearing his own brand revenge paint all over my father's beloved BMW. One can only hope that the father in this story learned an important lesson in raising your gosh darn kids from this story. One time when I worked in a small video store as an assistant manager, there was this one customer who was being a real a-hole to the point where I got fed up with his crap and threw him out. He had been a butthole to every single other employee in the store, including our boss. He was just a mouthy, harassing jerk. It would take way too long to go into the details. Anyway, I saw him in a little strip mall nearby one time and he was bragging to some guys about how he was cheating on his workers' compensation. Then he pulls out this wad of cash and waves it under their noses like a Japanese fan. I got all this effing money for free from lying about my injured hand. What an a-hole. Anyway, if you go into the blue pages of the phone book, you'll find this listing in all caps letters that says Workers' Compensation Fraud Hotline. And take a wild guess what video stores keep in their records. Full name, home address, and phone number. Not only did I turn this guy in, but I was also able to provide great detail as to exactly how he was faking his injury, as he explained it to his two friends. I moved around a lot as a kid. Dad in the army, parents divorced, not staying in one place made long-term friendships impossible. But my situation attracted bullies like flies. I moved to a new school. A bully picked up my scent instantly. Tripping and shoving, making fun of my clothes... Nothing too terrible, but I was already unhappy, so I felt miserable anyway. One day at school, I asked to use the restroom. I passed said bully on my way into the bathroom. He actually didn't do anything to me this time. When I entered the restroom, someone was in the only stall, crapping on the floor. I walked out of the bathroom, disgusted, ready to tell on them. I was seven at the time. I was ready to re-enter my classroom when an incredible yet devious idea came to me. I went straight to my bully's classroom and walked inside. Everyone looked at me, 
which normally would have given me enough hesitation to turn 180 and go back to class. But that day, I didn't so much as pause. I walked up to the teacher's desk, pointed at my tormentor, and boldly proclaimed that he had crapped on the bathroom floor. My teacher's reaction was better than I could have expected. She made him follow her into the restroom while he cried and slobbered out, I didn't do it, he's lying, over and over again. She grabbed a wad of paper towel, handed it to him, and we watched as he picked it up and put it into the commode. She thanked me for telling her and told me to go back to my classroom. This happened about 20 years ago. I still look back at this moment as a turning point in my life. Like I became me then. I used to live in a very small town, like 250 to 300 people. We had no stores, gas stations, etc. One day, a local guy decided to open up a little store that sold the basics like groceries and rented movies. He hired a few of us high school kids to work the store and promised us $50 a week for the summer to be paid at the end of the summer. We agreed and started working. We gave up a summer stocking shelves, cleaning the bathroom, lawn care, and whatever else. Well, the end of the summer comes around. It's our last day of work, and he comes in with our paychecks. $50 for each of us for the whole summer. Needless to say, we weren't too happy, but his words were, Well, what the F are you going to do about it? Drop off the key at my house since you won't need it anymore. We came up with a plan to pay this D-bag back. Before locking up the store for the last time, we left a window unlocked. We dropped the key off at the house. Around midnight, we were back at the store. Grabbed as much as we could. Cigarettes, money from the register, candy. Probably about 1,000 worth of stuff. Locked the window, then left through the emergency exit that had no alarm. There were also no cameras of any kind. Next day, there were cops there. He accused us all of doing it, but had no proof. He ended up having to shut down the store a few months later because the town heard how he didn't pay us and stopped doing business there. I don't feel bad. The F-word deserved it. Thanks for tripling my comment, Karma. Figures it's about a crime I committed 15 years ago. Should have used a throwaway. Uh, This is yet another two wrongs don't make a right, but consider me on the side of the exploited worker, especially after the owner admitted with the what are you gonna do comment. I have one I'm about to do in a couple of days. See, my parents suck. I've been taking care of them for a while while also going to school and whatnot, and still they're trying to cheat me, pawn my things, etc. But I've become fed up with them. I'm out of town at the moment, but when I get back, the next time they ask me to walk two miles to get them a pack of cigarettes, I will walk outside, around the house, have a friend with a van come, bring my pre-packed stuff out of the basement entrance, leave and stay at my friend's house for a few days until my train ticket is planned for, then move 2,000 miles across the country and live with another friend who just got me a job. Rendering them worthless pillheads waiting for a pack of Pall Mall Menthol 100s for the rest of their sad lives. I covered his ceiling fan with glitter. Fear me, mother effers. From another post. When I was seven or eight, I did a science project on the antibacterial efficacy of various soaps. Basically involved keeping hands dirty for a day, pressing grubby thumbs into petri dishes full of agar, then washing and doing the same thing again. I'd take tracings of the cultures, bigger colonies were bad, smaller ones good. This ended up winning the county science fair for my grade in a large metropolitan area, so that was nice. But before that, after I'd finished the experiments, but before I'd discarded the dishes, I got into a dispute with my parents. Don't remember what about. I thought, I'll show them. So I took the nastiest culture and swabbed it onto their bedroom doorknob. 
They both got sick as dogs, and I had to take care of them for a couple of days. Served me right. I waged bacteriological warfare against my parents using my science project, but I told them long ago and we laugh about it now. My past girlfriend cheated on me, and her and her roommate at the time had gotten to a point in their lease where they weren't super fond of each other and kept some distance. Her roommate was smoking hot, kind of annoying sometimes, and wasn't fond of my ex, so I decided to make a move on her. Best move ever. The look on my ex's face when her roommate walked me to the door in her undies after the first night was priceless. We proceeded to have hot, dirty, loud fun times almost nightly for eight weeks, until their lease was up, and for a while after that. My ex even walked in on us in the living room once. Kind of makes me a jerk, but gosh darn was it fun, and there's no way I felt bad about it. In summary, my girlfriend cheated on me, I have loud, awesome adult fun times with her roommate until the lease is up. And so it came to pass that the highest voted thing I will ever post on Reddit was under a throwaway in a what's the most effed up thing you've ever done thread. Lol. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Too late to the thread, but this is a good story. Everyone has worked with someone they've hated. I've never had a job where there wasn't someone who made my life miserable, or whose very presence teed me off. Usually, you just have to put up with them, but every once in a great while, you can get even. Dave was a one-eyed willy, stoop-shouldered, balding, in his fifties. Dave was a patronizing and irritating butthole. He had been at IBM his whole career, had been making good money, and hated contractors. He thought they were bad for the company, and that the only people worth a crap were regular employees, and he made it his priority to F with all of us. Nothing overt, but constant, subtle pressure was put on everyone whose badge said contractor on it. I think he developed this attitude from working with the guys from India, probably because they were so soft-spoken and accommodating, but maybe he was just a racist. I don't know, but whatever the reason, he took every opportunity to send us on little errands, wouldn't get back to us if we needed something, criticized anything we did, and generally made our lives heck in a way that couldn't be directly protested. I was pretty good friends with the guy sharing the room with him, another full-time employee, and one day, Robert called me up. War. We're going for coffee. Um, okay, let me just finish up a few things. You don't understand. We need coffee now. Right. I headed over to his office and he met me about halfway there. His eyes were shining with glee, but he wouldn't tell me what was going on until we had our coffee in the cafeteria. Once we finally had a table, he said, Okay, Dave's a kink wrestler. Huh? He's a kink wrestler. Dude, I've got nothing. What the flip is a kink wrestler? It turned out that there were men who pay women to wrestle them into submission. Some of them did it as a sort of hobby, and others were extremely serious about it. Dave was one of the latter. Several times a year, he'd tell his wife that he was meeting up with old army buddies, but went to kink wrestling conventions instead. They were highly organized, had rings set up for use, referees to score the matches, and everything. I'd never quite understand the need for refs, but hey, it's not my kink. 
There were web pages devoted to the women who were available to wrestle, and Dave's favorite was a woman named Red Robin. She was a tiny little woman who was an absolute beast, and he paid her thousands of dollars every time he'd go to one of these conventions for her to wrestle him for about 20 minutes per match. We went back to the office and pulled up Red Robin's website. Why does he pay this woman to wrestle him? She's ugly as heck. Do they do the deed after? He says no. Let me get this straight. Dave lies to his wife, flies out to California to have an ugly woman named Red Robin wrestle him into submission, pays her $400 per match, and doesn't bang her. Yep, bullcrap. I went on the main wrestling site and started reading Dave's posts, and there were a ton of them. He talked in great detail and depth about the sport, had invented his own move called the Twisted Ostrich, and told people about amazing matches he had won and lost. Look, I'm all about people's private lives remaining private, and I probably wouldn't have done anything if he hadn't so consistently been a POS to me the entire time. But he had, so game on. I registered a fake account under the name Suplex on the wrestling website and started corresponding with him. I started by asking him some technical questions about the Twisted Ostrich, but it wasn't long until he started asking me personal questions. As time went by, I fleshed out the character so within about a month, he had become quite good friends with Miss Plex. I told him I was a late 20s single lawyer living in DC. My marriage had ended because my husband just didn't understand my interest in such a harmless sport. It was so nice to talk to someone like him who really understood me. It was unbelievably satisfying. Every time he'd send me on some stupid errand, I'd think of how he was confessing his private life to the character I'd created. Oh, and he lied his ass off. He dropped a good ten years and his wife somehow. Finally, he asked for a picture. Well, I'd already downloaded a whole set of a girl who looked about that age, and the photos didn't look professional. I started with a simple one, and he gushed about how hot I was. Over the next few weeks, I sent him more and more photos, each revealing more than the last, until the girl was fully nude, but didn't look posed. He started trying to be really sexy, and started talking about the best way to end a good wrestling match was by doing the deed. Hold the phones. He had told Robert that there wasn't any fun times at the matches. I probed a bit, and he finally admitted that he did the deed with the girls he wrestled. I effing knew it. They were ladies of the night working a special kind of crowd. It made more sense that he was spending 400 bucks per match. I amped up the racy talk too, including wrestling into it. It was gold. He was hooked. His work slowed down, he became with Sue Plex, and quite frankly, my work suffered as well having to answer all his notes. Fortunately, he didn't notice because he was too busy sending off love letters. Now it was driving me nuts, because here was this creepy 50-ish guy who was still giving me a daily ration of crap, but was secretly having an online affair with the character I'd created. Robert and I had a ton of fun effing with the poor guy, but one day he called me up again. War. Coffee. Now. At the cafeteria, he told me that Dave had another army reunion coming up, and we should see if we could get him to come to DC to meet Sue instead. Hmm. Genius. I sent Dave an email and said we should get together sometime. Boom. In a flash, he responded that he had been thinking the same thing and had some time off in a few weeks. Would I be interested in him coming to visit? Yes. Yes, I would. As Sue, I arranged to meet him in DC at a local hotel. As the day approached, Dave became more and more excited and effed with us less and less. He still tried, but the conviction and heat wasn't there anymore. 
Robert and I were going nuts, having to act like nothing was going on while Dave prattled on about how happy he was to hook up with his old army buddies, what a fun trip it would be, how he was hoping he didn't get pinned down by the snow, etc. I guess he thought he was being clever, but since we already knew the entire story, it just came across as pathetic. He left early on a Friday to catch his flight, smiling like a champ. Tuesday morning, he showed up looking like his best friend had died. We asked him what was wrong, and he tried to play it off like he was just tired from his long weekend. But as soon as he could, he sent Sue a message asking what the heck had happened, and why hadn't she showed up. We waited to respond until after lunch. He was a basket case. Finally, we fired back a furious message that we'd called his house on Friday just to leave him a message, and some woman answered. We said we'd pretended to give her a survey, and we knew about his wife and four kids. So he had been lying to us all along. Basically, we went bat crap crazy on him. We told him if he ever tried to contact us again, we'd tell his wife everything. We waited for him to get the email, watched him surreptitiously read it, and then we watched him have a meltdown. He started sweating like crazy, called his wife to check on her, and finally left early. He was never the same after that. He pretty much stopped messing with the contractors and kept to himself. We never sent him any more emails, and he never sent any to Sue. My contract ended not too long after that, and that was the last I heard of him. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Motorsarg Manon gave me Reddit gold for this story. Thanks, man.